Thank you, Anna, and thank you to all who participated in worship today, and Kamisha on the violin, and Sharon, the organ, and our choir. Appreciate all of y'all, everybody that has part in our worship each week, and share your talents and gifts. Well, is everybody feeling a little better about your football teams this week? I hope so. I'm thrilled. Georgia Tech actually won yesterday, so I'm excited about that, you know? Well, we've started a new sermon series called The Power of a Question, and I talked about Jesus and uh, over 300 questions that Jesus asked in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And that's amazing when you think about it, but Jesus used that method to, to get people to think deeper, to go deeper into the particular situations or, or uh, questions they had. And he asked them a question in regards to their question, trying to get them to think deeper about things in their hearts and their minds and their souls. Um, uh, and so last week we looked specifically at some hard questions that Jesus asked uh, on the Sermon on the Mount that we find from Matthew 5, chapters 5 through 7. And this was a group of teachings that uh, gave people a look at what it meant to live as a child, as a son or a daughter in the kingdom of God, because Matthew talks a lot about this kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God. So last week's question came from a statement Jesus made concerning our enemies, if you remember. And Jesus said this very difficult statement, love your enemies and pray for them. And we kind of go, what? How do you love your enemies and pray for them? But that's what he says, if you want to be a part of God's kingdom. And you remember also, he says, if you want to be part of God's kingdom, your righteousness has to surpass that of the religious leaders, and everybody kind of went, what? How can I possibly do that? But Jesus was trying to point out that you need him. Your righteousness on your own can't possibly uh, be where it needs to be. We need God. We need a Savior. We need Jesus Christ. And that's where all this was pointing in this talk about the kingdom. So then Jesus followed up with some questions that forced the original hearers and us again today to consider the way we choose and value people in our lives. And a lot of times we do it based on whether they think like I do, whether they watch the same things, have the same team I do, go in the same circles that I do. We kind of value and choose people based on that. And Jesus was trying to get us to see that, hey, if you're only doing that, how are you better than anybody else? And so we also saw a, saw a powerful testimony last week of a young man recently who chose to act incredibly in forgiving and loving the woman who shot and killed his brother. And we saw that last week. And a lot of y'all had seen that before. So it was a very powerful testimony. Well, this week I want us to look at another question that Jesus asked. But there was an obvious answer to it. But it forced his hearers and again us today in our culture to look inwardly um, at themselves. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7 today, verses 1 through 5. Now this may be uh, a familiar passage to you, but um, it is something that's very important. So Jesus says this. I think we're going to have that on the screen. There it is. Thank you very much. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 1. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now that may be a familiar passage to you, but there's a lot of uh, uh, 
language in there that almost makes us laugh, but Jesus is trying to get us to see something that seems to be so clear, so obvious, but yet we miss it all the time in our everyday relationships, don't we? So recently I was uh, using my chainsaw, I had a limb fall in the yard, and I was going to cut that limb up. It was pretty big, wasn't, it was so big I couldn't just drag it off, so I had to get my chainsaw out. So I start cutting it. Now I had safety glasses, but they were sunglasses, they were dark. And so it was cloudy, and I was like not being able to see good, so I just flipped them up on top of my, my hat that I had on, and I started cutting. And what do you think happened? Sure enough, I got a speck in my eye, and it hurt pretty bad at first, and I had to stop, and I was like, oh, I should have had those glasses on, and I, and I stopped, and I, and I could feel it, and I pulled the, the speck out, and then I went over to uh, my truck, and I, you know, you ever, you know, you have those mirrors that can move like that on the outside, and I'm looking really close trying to see if I got it all out. Well, for the next, really the next week, it was really, really red. Some of y'all last week saw my eye, and you looked at me and go, man, what's wrong with your eye? And I said, well, I was an idiot, and I didn't wear my glasses, basically. I just had to tell everybody. Um, but I had to get really, really close. Now, to use Je- Jesus' illustration, we can see. Now, if, if Mike, if that had happened to Mike, and Mike, I'm going to use you as an illustration. If Mike had a speck in his eye, and let's say to use Je- Jesus' illustration, and I think this helps. And I go, Mike, I see you have a speck in your eye. I'm going to help you get that out. I mean, that's silly, isn't it? How can I possibly help Mike get the speck out of his eye? And that's exactly what Jesus was saying. And we, we understand hyperbole, but it, it, when you actually think about that. Or, Mike, help me again here. If Mike has a speck in his eye and I have uh, has that in his eye, think about how even worse it gets. When we're both trying to tell somebody to get a speck out of their eye, and we've got something bigger that's preventing us from seeing, okay? And, and yet we laugh at that, but that's exactly, and I'm sure Jesus' audience in the first century laughed at that. Now, they probably didn't have the smooth lumber that we did, but it says actually a log in your own eye. So people were thinking, a log? Hey, of course you can't get a speck out. So Jesus is getting at something. Now, there's something more that he was getting to. It would not only be a bad choice for me to try to get Mike Speck out of his eye when I have this plank in my own eye, but it's really impossible. But the subject Jesus is really talking about is the way we judge people, judging another person. And all the, of all the sayings that Jesus says, I believe this one is probably quoted more than anything Jesus says. Have you ever heard anybody say, don't judge me? Jesus said, don't to judge. And it's interesting when you think about this. By Jesus' followers... And non-followers, you may or may not follow Jesus, but you would still say, oh, I, I heard Jesus say that, I agree with that. You may believe he is the Son of God, or you may not. You may agree with all his teachings, or you may not agree with hardly any of his teachings. You may be an atheist or an agnostic, but when you heard about that particular saying, I bet you don't doubt that Jesus said it, and I bet that you don't haven't actually used it before and said to somebody, Jesus said, don't judge. We've all said that. We've all heard people say that. And most of the time, it kind of has this universal appeal, or at least when, or especially when, I'm being called out on something, doesn't it? If you're calling me out on something, I want to say that. I want to say, stop, you're judging me. Jesus said, don't do that. And then all of a sudden, the conversation shifts on what I'm being confronted on or challenged on to somebody else judging me on that. That happens a lot, doesn't it? You ever done that with somebody? And it's seemingly a good argument or at least a way to distract or derail the one who's calling me out or accusing me. They have to reboot for a minute and go, wait a minute, am I doing something Jesus told me not to do? I thought I was actually calling you out on some sin or something in your life, and now all of a sudden I'm the one being called out. Your kids ever do that to you? 
But that happens a lot. We all have been in that situation before. But I don't believe Jesus' statement was here as some kind of a universal acceptance of any lifestyle or action or behavior just because if we call somebody out on it, we would be judging them. We have to make judgments every day in our lives, don't we? When you pulled in here this morning, especially if you were making a left-hand turn, you had to make a judgment whether that car coming in the other direction, you had enough time. When you leave here today, you're going to make a judgment that hopefully Andy, our officer out there, is going to wave you through at the proper time, right? You've got to make a judgment today whether you want to eat at this place or that place today, right? We make judgments every day. We understand what judgments. But to judge a person, to judge someone's heart, to judge someone's motives or their actions, that's a different thing. And the Bible throughout says that's reserved for God alone. But yet we do it all the time. Even Paul in Romans, when he's writing to this uh, group of Jesus followers in Rome, he said this, You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God... God's judgments against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Paul's along the same lines as what Jesus was talking about. We're not judging someone to condemn them. We're judging and recognizing only God can do that. But he is coming through to, through to us with kindness and patience and wanting us to repent and come back to him. Only God knows the heart of humans. And it, he is the one who is omniscient or all-knowing. And humans do not have this power even though we act like we do. And this is what God is teaching needs to change in order to be children in his kingdom. But if we look fairly at this before we get into an accusation or a confrontation with someone, there's some things we have to look at. It can be of great value. Don't judge. I need to confront someone. And there's going to be times in our life, right, where we need to confront someone. It might be our spouse. It might be our children. It might be a parent. It might be a coworker. It, I don't know who it, who it might be, but we have to confront them on something that we know they've done. And that's a hard thing because we know, I know what they're going to say. They're going to say, don't judge. As soon as I get it out of my mouth, they're going to start that. But we have to look at things like this. Am I judging presumptuously? Before I know all the facts, am I being arrogant in the way I'm confronting this person? Am I being disrespectful in the way I'm confronting this person? Am I being hasty or rash, quickly, without all the facts, making judgments on that? Am I being unreasonable? Am I looking for something that's not there just because I don't like the person? Do we ever see this in the news anytime? unforgivably. I'm already calling this person guilty before I have all the facts. There's no chance for forgiveness. There's no change of repentance. I just want to come and drop the hammer on this person because I know they're wrong, and that's what I really want to do. Am I judging unfairly or with prejudice? I've already prejudged. I've already thought in my mind. I've already decided in my mind what you did and why you did it, and that's the thing, without objective truth. Or am I being judging hypocritically? That means I know I do the same things, but yet I'm going to call somebody out on something that I do and continually do in my own life. Or unmercifully, I don't really want this person to come to repentance. I don't really want them to be restored in a relationship with them. I just want them to see punishment and condemnation. And sometimes that's the way we come across to those things. But if we stopped and really thought about it, when we have something in our eye that's not supposed to be there, our eye reacts, doesn't it? 
Now, when that happened to me that day, my eyes started reacting immediately. What happened? It started watering. Started trying to clean that out naturally, and it started it started irritating. I think I actually scratched my eye, and it got really red. But that was an indication something was in my eye that was not supposed to be there, and I need to get it out. And then it also um, it not only gets red, but sometimes it uh, uh, starts this little secretion of a film. Y'all ever had that? I know it's kind of gross. You know, it's kind of like I would say eye boogers, if you can say that in church. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? But that's what was happening. I kept wiping my eye and going, oh, man, it's like sleepy eye or whatever in my eye right now. Because it was saying there's something wrong. You've done something to your eye, and the eye is reacting to it. It can't function at its optimum capacity and see the way it's supposed to because your eye has something in it. And I believe Jesus is saying the same thing to me and to you today about sin in our life. It's something that's there, but it doesn't need to be. It should not be. There are indicators of sin in our life. Many times our mind is telling us that I've got sin in my life. I know I'm thinking about it. I know I shouldn't be doing this. I know it's causing problems, and I know I'm doing it. Sometimes it's in our heart. We feel a sense of guilt, a sense of remorse, and a sense of shame. And it's... uh, Something's going on that's preventing me from being the person that I know God has called me to be. There are consequences, maybe even unintended consequences, of things that happen as a result of the sin in my life. Relationships are irritated, they're strained, they're hurt. Life is not operating in the way it's supposed to. And there's something in our heart, in our mind, in our soul that tells us something's wrong. Even if it's not my sin, if it's the sin of someone I'm in a relationship with, we can feel it, can't we? Something is going on there. So we need to take a look. And just like my eye is not going to get better without getting that speck out, without getting that wood or whatever it is in my eye out, no matter how small, our lives are not going to be what God intended them to be unless we get that sin, no matter how small it is, out of our life. And we need to work on that. But if I'm trying to remove the speck of sin in your life while I'm carrying this Big old plank of sin in my own life. And here's the deal, y'all. A lot of times, people who carry this around, they know they've got it. So that's why they're always looking at specks in other people's lives. I don't want to deal with this, so I'm going to look for you. Oh, you've got one, and you've got one. And we're always looking around for someone else because we don't want to deal with what's really going on in our own life. But if I'm trying to remove a speck of sin in your life while I'm carrying this long, this log or plank of sin in my own life, I can't possibly or properly help you with it until I get the sin out of my own life. Now, it doesn't mean we have to be perfect, but Jesus says this. He says clearly, you hypocrite. He doesn't hold back. He says, you're a hypocrite. You're a play actor. In those days, they did these plays, and that's what a hypocrite was. Someone who had this mask they would put on and play someone else that they really weren't, and that's what he's calling them. You're a fraud. You're a phony when you do that. Everybody knows it. And Jesus can say, and he can judge because he is all-knowing. He knows, and he wants us to become to repentance and receive grace and forgiveness and that restoration of a relationship. And he died and he rose again to give us and ensure that we would have that. Not just to punish us, not just to point out our sin, but he really wants to get that sin out of our life so he can have the relationship that he wants with us. But he also wants us to be able to have those other relationships with others. And he knows what sin does. So he died and rose to ensure that we have that. So he says, first, take the plank out of your own eye. Deal with the sin in your own life. Get rid of it. Remove it from your life and start living the way God intended you to live. And Jesus suffered, died, and rose so that you and I could have that life. He said, well, see now, Craig, you're, you're just putting guilt and shame on people. 
when you're telling them, you know, they got to get that sin out of their life. That's guilt and shame, and you can't do that. Now y'all are judging me. I don't look at it as guilt and shame. I look at it when Jesus died on the cross and tells me that I'm being a hypocrite. I don't look at it as guilt and shame. I look at it as motivation and inspiration. I think that's what Jesus ultimately was really trying to do. It is Satan who takes guilt and shame. Let me tell you something. Now, people in counseling will tell you, oh, those people have so much guilt and shame, and that becomes a bad word, guilt and shame. Guilt and shame is a feeling, isn't it? It's a feeling that makes us know something is wrong. And it can be bad, but it's a feeling that gets us to know something's wrong in and of itself. But when we wallow in guilt and shame, it's Satan who tries to take those feelings of guilt and shame and tries to make us dwell in those places and stay in those places rather than repent and move on and be inspired to do something differently with our lives and be who he's called us to be. Jesus sets us free from that guilt and shame. But guilt and shame, I believe, God puts in our conscience to make us see that we need to make a change. But he doesn't want us to stay there. And then second, you will be clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now think about this. Jesus is saying the speck in your brother's eye is important. Someone needs to help him with that. Someone needs to help her with that. But until you get this big thing out of your own life, you're not going to be able to do that properly. seems to me Jesus is saying that the speck is still important to remove. But after removing the plank out of my eye, I am now in a position of humility. Because I realize I've been through sin myself. I'm in a position of gratefulness. God has taken this big sin out of my eye and away from me. And he's forgiven me from that. He's removed the guilt and shame. And he goes, now look at how much better you can see, Craig. Now I have that thought of gratefulness. I have grace and wisdom from my experience to help another brother or another sister remove the speck from their eye. That doesn't mean I'm not perfect. My eye still has a little redness in it from a couple of weeks ago. But from removing that plank, but man, does my eye feel better now. And man, can I see so much better now. And I want you to get that speck out of your eye. Because you know what? When we keep letting specks fill up in our eye over and over and over again, they become planks, don't they? And so I've realized that in my own life. What Jesus is telling us that we need each other. It's called accountability. He did that with his disciples. Not a self-righteous, not an arrogant or superior, superior attitude, but true concern and love for someone to become who God intended them to be. Because I love you, I want to tell you this is what I see in your life, and I know that's not really you, and I want you to change. And I don't know about y'all, but I've had people in my life that have done that and helped me. Now, at first, we do get defensive, don't we? And we want to say, stop judging me. Or you're crazy, you don't know what's going on. But when I really humble myself and listen to someone that I know really loves me, it can change my life. This summer, um, I was honored to be able to go on the trip to Guatemala um, with our high schoolers. And I did the same things I was doing with my chainsaw. I had a pair of dark, I had to get some clear safety glasses. That's what it basically boils down to. I had on sunglasses. Well, I was working on siding, and I was coming over and measuring, and I'd go over to the chop saw and chop a piece of siding off and go back and see if it fit. And I had my sunglasses on. I was tired of flipping them back and forth all the time, so I just left them on my head. So Fred Stavely, who was with us, and his son Luke, who was our um, who was the head of our team where the house we were working, they got on to me every time. And you know what? I'm glad they did because I know Fred and I know that Luke wasn't, well, they weren't trying to be bossy. They weren't trying to be arrogant. They were going, Craig, you're going to get something in your eye. We keep seeing you use that chop saw without your safety glasses. Did you not read the manual? Which I knew. I've been on several trips. I know better. But I didn't get mad at them. And I realized 
They were holding me accountable to do something, not because out of arrogance, but because we don't want you to get hurt. We want you to be able to see clearly and be the Craig you were intended to be. And that's important. And that's what accountability, true Christian accountability is. Well, you know what? I know in this church we have a lot of former plank-in-the-eye people in here, don't we? I'm one of those former plank-in-the-eye people. We have some people right now who are currently plank-in-the-eye people. We're dealing with something in our own life, and it's hard. And we all have some specks and planks that we need to work on. And the beautiful thing is we just got out of a time of communion, didn't we? And that's why I love having communion every week is that I get to pause and I need to look at my life and I need to look in the mirror when I take communion every week and go, I've got some specks and some planks that I need to get rid of this week. And it makes me look at my life and see what I need to do. Jesus set up the new covenant that way so we could remember to, be, uh, to remember who he called us to be and what he did to die and resurrect to give us that true life that he always wanted us to have, that true identity. Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection should motivate us and inspire us to be who he's called us to be. So I think we all need to look in the mirror today. And what questions do you need to answer about your life today? What questions do I need to answer about my life today? Do you judge yourself the same way as you judge others? And that's a good question, isn't it? Jesus is saying we have to judge differently. But here's the thing. Some of y'all sometimes judge yourself even harder than you judge others. And you, you get caught up in that guilt and shame, and that's not good either. What planks or specks would Jesus tell me to remove today if he went out to lunch with you? It would probably be something. Because in our culture nowadays, we hesitate to tell anybody about their plank or their speck, don't we? Because I'm going to be judging them. They're going to get mad. How many times do we not do stuff in life because we go, they're going to get mad? Remember I said guilt and shame is a feeling? Guess what mad is? It's a feeling. But we're worried about that. And I get it. I don't want to make people mad. I get that. But there are times where we have to say, but Jesus was the master at being able to tell people things. He said, hypocrite. He got after those who should have known better. But I also know he would do things like go to... Um, Zacchaeus's house, and we don't know what he said at lunch that day, but I think he said, you got this plank in your eye, Zacchaeus. And this is why people, they think you're a hypocrite. And he was able to let Zacchaeus remove that plank from his eye and realize that he was a child of God, but he had to make some changes in his behavior, in his lifestyle. What do you need to remove from your life in order to grow? What do I need to remove from my life in order to grow and to mature and be who God made me to be? And then I will be the type of person that can help someone else with their sin in their life. We all need to do that. We need to. That's the whole idea behind the church, y'all. You realize that, right? We need it. And I'll tell you, our, our brothers and sisters in our recovery group on Thursday night, those guys know about that better than anybody. They know about holding people accountable and saying, hey, still there. You can sit there and pretend you don't have this big old thing in your eye, but you got it in your eye. And those people on Thursday night say, I, I dealt with it, but when I finally got it out, and I can see clearly now, and I go to those people all the time, and I say, this person's telling me about this addiction they think their mother or their brother or whatever has. And you know what they say to me most of the time? They're not ready yet. They're not ready yet because they're not ready to sit. I'm not going to remove this, but we got to be able to do that. So I'm thankful for people in our life that are willing to look at us and put their arm around and says, you got that speck in there. You can pretend that plank's not there. You can pretend that speck's not there, but it's there, and I love you, and I'm telling you that, and I want to help you remove it. But you got to do that.
So let's be the type of people that God's called us to be. And understanding that judging someone is different than trying to lead someone to repentance. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation, as we always do. An invitation that says, hey, we serve a God that doesn't want to give us condemnation and punishment. He wants to give us restoration, repentance, and restore that relationship with us so we can be who we've always intended him who he created us to be so if you're looking for that today you need to name jesus as your lord and savior we want to offer that or maybe you're looking for a church and i can tell you have been here for so many years there's great people in this church who are not perfect but they will point out your specks and and your planks and they will love you into repentance because they love you and care about you and they'll help you get to a point and that's the kind of church that we need to be so this morning if you've got either of those decisions we ask that you come forward as mike leads us and we stand and sing together Thank you.